1: Please rise for the call to worship. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. In the midst of a sinful world, new life breaks forth in the resurrection of Christ. Mindful of God's faithfulness, let us worship God. The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Trusting in God's faithfulness and God's compassion, let us confess our sin before God and one another. We have taken the name of Christian, but few of us are known primarily by that name. We have experienced Easter radiance, but we seldom reflect the light of our risen Savior. We have heard the message of salvation, but it grows cold on our lips and is of little influence on our lives. Sometimes we delude ourselves that because we are basically good people, there is no sin in us. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Sin is separation from you, and we have allowed great chasms and built high walls to keep you out of our lives. Forgive us, we pray. been overcome. Sin has been conquered. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Everything that is old has passed away and a new life has begun. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are free.
0: be seated. Stand over there so we can see you. Yeah. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you to the end of the age. Obeying the word of our Lord Jesus Christ and confident of his promises, we baptize those whom God has called. In baptism, God claims us and seals us to show that we belong to God. God frees us from sin and death, uniting us with with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ and joined to Christ's ministry of love, peace, and justice. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament.
2: On behalf of the session, I present Asha Harlow Schultz Hostetter, son of Elizabeth and Paul, to receive the sacrament of baptism.
0: Do you desire that Asha Harlow Schultz be baptized? And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and teach that faith to Asha Harlow Schultz?
2: Do you, as members of the Church of Christ, promise to guide and nurture Asha Harlow Schultz by word and deed, by love and prayer, encouraging her to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of Christ's church?
3: Let us affirm our faith. The insert is in your bulletin. Little child, for you Jesus Christ came into the world, for you he did battle, for you he suffered, for you he went through the agony of Gethsemane and the darkness of Calvary, for you he cried it is fulfilled, for you he triumphed over death, and you little child know nothing about this, but this is the statement of the Apostle confirmed, we love God, because God first loved us, amen. Let us pray. We give thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil by the waters of the flood, giving righteousness a new beginning. You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. In the waters of Jordan, Jesus was baptized by John and anointed with your Spirit. And by the baptism of his own death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. Send your spirit to move over this water that it may be a fountain of deliverance and rebirth. Wash away the sin of this child who was cleansed by it and raise her to new life, and engraft her to the body of Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon Asha Harlow Schultz, that she may have the power to do your will and continue forever in the risen life of Christ. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, be praise and honor and glory now and forevermore. Amen.
0: Asha. Harlow Schultz, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Asha, child of the covenant, you have been sealed in the waters of baptism, and you are marked as Christ's own forever. Asha, you are God's child and with you God is very pleased, amen. Asha Harlow Schultz, that's a big name for a little sack of sugar, (laughs) but I have a feeling she's going to grow into that name and she is going to do great things by the grace of God as we promise in just a few moments to be with not only Asha on her journey, but the family as they now are part of this family and Asha is welcomed into the family of God. And we will promise to see that all of God's blessings are made known to Asha as she walks her journey of faith until that day that she stands before this congregation or some other and professes with her own mouth her faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Until that day and beyond, we are with her, with Paul, and Elizabeth, and Vivian on that journey of grace. See what love the Father has for us, that we should be called children of God, and we are. Let us welcome the newly baptized.
2: Asha Harlow Schultz Hostetter has been received into the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church through baptism God has made her a member of the household of God to share in the priesthood of Christ let us welcome the newly baptized using the words printed in your bulletin
4: Good morning. How are you all? Okay, I may look like I have an apron on, but what do you think I'm ready for? Summer. I am ready for summer. Who's ready for summer? Do you think God is ready for summer? You think so? Do you think He takes a summer vacation? Yes? Raise your hand if you think He takes a summer vacation. Okay, raise your hand if you don't think he takes a summer vacation. Huh, we're about split. Okay, well, Psalm 139, 7 through 10 says, Where can I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I run from you? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I lie down in the grave, you are there. If I rise with the sun in the east and settle with the west beyond the sea, even there you would guide me. With your right hand, you would hold me. God doesn't just camp out in one place or another. How does it make you feel to know that God is everywhere all the time? Good, makes you feel good, happy. Well, it makes me feel good, too. And God never leaves us, does he? He is always there. He does not take a summer vacation. Let's pray. Three, two, one. Dear God, thank you for always being with us and for never taking a day off. We can count on you to be there for us, and we praise you. Amen.
1: Let us pray. God of grace, God of glory, be known to us this morning in new and fresh ways as we worship you. Speak to us through your word and illumine our journeys by your presence. For we pray in the name of the one who is the light of this world, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Those who are able are invited to rise for the reading of the first lesson, which comes to us from the book of 1 John, the first chapter. Verses 1 through 4, listen now for God's word. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us, We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
0: Once again, out of honor and respect to God's living word, you're invited to stand. We turn to our second lesson from the Gospel of John in the 20th chapter, beginning with the 19th verse. Listen God's word speak to your life today. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Will you pray with me, please? O loving and gracious Lord present with us here, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. It has been a tough week. One news story has called it a hellish week, a week filled with chaos, with violence, with darkness, things of hell, separation from God. It began Monday with the deadly bombing attacks at the Boston Marathon, poisoned letters on Tuesday, Wednesday night, the explosion of the fertilizer plant in West Texas, and there are many who were killed, many who were still missing, hundreds who were injured. Thursday filled with questions of the perpetrators of the bombing, why, where are they? Will they strike again? Friday including with a shootout and then a manhunt and an entire city being shut down, held captive by the potential of other violence, and now even this past evening an earthquake in China with more than 200 dead and thousands more injured. After such a week, there, it may be that those of us who have any faith left may be asking the question, where are you, God? God? Or others who have lost their faith or are trying to find a faith in something larger than themselves may be saying, Is there a God? And still others, those who have maybe had no faith or lost it altogether, no faith in anything, not even themselves, may be saying, There is no God, and we are on our own. It's at times like these that our faith will be put to the test. Our faith will be stretched to its limits or break because it has gone beyond any limits that we have known heretofore. And when this happens, our only hope is that there is someone in whom we can put our trust who can pull us back together, who can help us, who cannot help themselves, who may give us hope to help us find. That yes, there is a God, and to discover in some renewed and powerful way that that God is with us. Sadly, however, the numbers of people who are having their faith tested to a significant degree and maybe even losing their faith, those who are asking, Is there a God? Studies show us, surveys say, that that number of people who are losing faith is growing. They call it the rise of the nuns. That's not N-U-N-S. It is the N-O-N-E-S. For when they are asked by surveyors, when they are asked by those who do research, Do you believe? Do you have a life of faith? They may say, yes. And what is your religious affiliation? And they say, none. They do not identify themselves as Baptist, as Episcopalian, as Presbyterian, as Charismatic, as Pentecostal, or other. None. That number of nuns is rising and at an all-time high, and now we are seeing that even numbers of people who claim to have no faith No spiritual base in their lives is also rising. Those who say there is no God. Just this past week, I have heard people say to me and report of what they have heard from others the comments, something like, I used to be religious, I used to have some faith base, but not anymore. And it's easy to see how, in light of the week just passed, that there are those among us who have lost faith that they may have had or find it hard to grab hold to any faith at all and say, I choose not to believe. As a matter of fact, it's just easier that way. Truth be told, that may be an option that has crossed your mind or entered your heart. A week just passed, it might seem understandable. You know, it could be said that the disciples of Jesus encountered something of a week like we just encountered, a hellish week, the last week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. Beginning with Palm Sunday and the hosannas that moved to Jesus going into Jerusalem, cleansing the temple, cursing a fig tree eating a last supper with his disciples, washing their feet, reminding them of the betrayal that was to come, and that night it being played out, a betrayal, an arrest, beatings, a trial that led to a crucifixion and a death on a Friday and silence on Saturday and fear all around and darkness closing in. And then Sunday morning comes with the word of an empty tomb and a missing body. A week that left Jesus' disciples asking, where are you, God? Or maybe even, is there a God? It's no wonder that they were behind locked doors. It is no wonder that they were huddled in fear, fear of the Jews, fear that they might endure the same fate that Jesus met. But it is right there in the midst of their fear that they meet the risen Lord. And he comes to his disciples, he comes to his friends, and he does not say to them, shame on you. But instead he says to them, peace be with you. And he imparted the Holy Spirit to them and charged them to forgive and to go. Ten of them were there, but not Thomas. And when they were with Thomas again, they said to him, We have seen the Lord. He could take their word for it. But Thomas would have none of it. Thomas, that brave, literal-minded maverick, he is the one at the news of Jesus going Back to Bethany at the word of Lazarus's illness, earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus is saying I will go to Bethany to be with my friend Lazarus. That was like going deep into enemy territory, for we know that at that point in the Gospel they were hot and heavy to find and kill Jesus. And upon hearing the word that Jesus would go to Bethany, Thomas is the one who says, Lord we will go with you, and says to his fellow disciples, let us go with him so that we might die also. At the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples not to be afraid because they knew the way where he was going, and it is Thomas, in response to Jesus, who said, Lord, we do not know the way. How can we know where you are going? maybe you know someone like Thomas maybe you know someone who can be counted on to do the right thing but only after he or she has been convinced him or herself that it is the right thing to do maybe you know someone who refuses to go along with the crowd and has more integrity to go with those easily on that way even though going that way may be the right thing to do but they will not follow that way until they are convinced within themselves that it is the right thing to do they're not just gonna go with the crowd but they have to resolve within themselves it's the right thing to do but all 10 of the disciples who had seen the risen Lord they say in unison to Thomas we have seen the Lord and by all rights Thomas response should have been that's good enough for me guys sounds great what are we to do next but that's not of course what Thomas said what he said was unless I see his hands unless I see and put my hand in his side I will not believe which makes Thomas a stand-in for most of us. Unless I see, I will not believe. Most of us have heard of Thomas referred to as the doubter, but as you heard read in the scripture today, he is called Didymus, or translated, it means the twin. Thomas, the twin. But we're... Not really sure who Thomas's twin was. I would like to believe that John, in writing this gospel, calls Thomas the twin because he is our twin. He's my twin because I'm so much like him. Full of doubt. Doubt which, by the way, is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. It is Clarence Jordan, the writer of the Cotton Patch Gospels, the founder of Coinonia Farms that birthed into Habitat for Humanity, a man who went against the tide and who knew what it would have been like to live in fear with the threats upon his life. It is Clarence Jordan who said, Fear is the polio of the soul that prevents us from walking by faith. It's not doubt that paralyzes us, but fear that cripples us and holds us back and down, immobile. No, doubt is not the antithesis of faith. As a matter of fact, it might be a catalyst for faith. I love what Frederick Beekner says about this juxtaposition between faith and doubt. He has said that doubt is actually... The ants in the pants of faith. Doubt gets us up and gets us moving. Thomas says, unless I see, I will not believe. And that's an understandable attitude. I believe John, the writer of the gospel, understood it, and that's why he includes this account. I believe Jesus understood it, and that's why he gave Thomas another chance. I believe the other disciples continued to give Thomas another chance, so to speak. They didn't dismiss Thomas from the circle because he wasn't there and because he said he wouldn't believe. And Jesus certainly does not dismiss Thomas. On the contrary, Jesus makes sure that Thomas is included in that circle. And Jesus comes back one week later and repeats the scene a second time just for the benefit of Thomas. Thomas didn't then have to take anyone's word for anything. And there are a couple of things that I really like about this Thomas, this twin. Number one is his demanding faith. A faith that demanded something more unless I see, unless I have an experience. The Lord granted that to him. And the second thing that I really like here about Thomas is the fact that he kept coming back. He did not give up. He did not say, well, forget them. He stayed with them. He kept coming back. And it resulted in him giving the fullest and most rich and complete confession of who Jesus Christ is. When he exclaimed, my Lord and my God, no one else in scripture made that claim. So where does that leave us? We weren't there. We haven't had the opportunity to see, touch, put our hands on the concrete person of Jesus Christ and in some ways, that leaves us out of the circle. We have never seen Jesus in the flesh, and we are thousands of years removed from this gospel account, yet Jesus means to include us too. And this is something that I also love about Jesus, that speaking over Thomas's shoulder, he seems to speak to us when he says, Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me in the flesh and yet have come to believe. We may not have seen Jesus in the flesh, but I believe that we do come to believe when we see the world through eyes of faith that are God's gift to us. Faith which is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Scripture tells us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And to keep walking. And to keep walking, even when it feels like we are walking into nothing but darkness and do not know where our next step will land on firm ground or nothing at all. There's a story of a man who learned to walk by faith in the darkness. His name is Jerry Sitzer. Jerry Sitzer is a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, and it was several years ago that he was traveling with his family late one night on a deserted Western road with all of his family in the vehicle, and his mother as well, when they were hit by a drunk driver. Almost head on, the driver was thought to be traveling some 85 miles per hour, and it ripped the vehicle, the van in half, killing Jerry's mother, his wife, and his youngest daughter, and leaving his other daughter severely crippled from the accident. Miraculously, Jerry survived. And it was in the aftermath of his life being torn apart in this way that Jerry Sitzer had a dream. And in his dream, the sun was setting, and he was frantically chasing after it toward the western sky, hoping to be able to catch the light and to bring it back. But Sitzer said it was a losing race. Soon it was gone, and he felt, as he said, a vast darkness closing in. It was shortly after that Jerry reported his dream to his sister, who said to him something very wise and profound. She said, the quickest way to reach the sun is not to go west to turn into the darkness and walk to the east, to move fully into the darkness until we meet the rising sun. And it's counterintuitive to make that walk of faith. But it is what we are called to do as those who seek and serve a risen savior We embrace our doubts. We demand faith and call God to account. Where are you? I need to know you. Are you real? And feel any fear, but keep on walking anyway, even when we do not know it and cannot explain it. It's been said the deepest understanding of things spiritual are hidden hidden from those who do not venture down the road of faith. And sometimes that road is dark and feels very dangerous. It has also been said that faith is like a pair of new glasses. They must be tried on if they are going to make a difference or to do any good and when we do try on these eyes of faith the world becomes sharper it becomes fresher and it looks different with eyes of faith yes we are confronted with all the beauty and brutality with all the vain and the blessing with all the evil and the selfishness and the hatred and the present prejudice and the ignorance and the fear that still exists in the world in which we live Yet walking with eyes of faith, it gives us the opportunity not only to see the world for what it is and ourselves for who we are, but to see despite our sin and the sin of the world, a God who is still at work in the world and who is indeed with us, good to his word. What have you seen with your eyes of faith this week? As the Lord revealed anything to you of light and of hope, I have seen this past week, well, I didn't actually see it, I heard it. First, on the radio, Thursday morning, driving to the church to the men's prayer breakfast, the radio story of what happened at the Bruins game. They were playing the Sabres. And the man who has sung the national anthem for that event for 35 years began the song on the ice as they had honored the first responders of Boston in the wake of the day's events prior to, and he began to sing. And about a line and a half into the song, he dropped the microphone. And the voices of all of those in that arena filled the space so that people singing with him could hear their own voices and hear the voices of those around them. And I'm not getting off on some big patriotic bent here, but we live in a blessed country. I saw with Eyes of Faith this past week, and all politics aside, our president do a wonderful job of talking to our nation about not falling into fear. But when we are knocked down by evil around us, we will get back up and we will keep running. We will run again. This past week, I saw in the life of one that we honored in the wake of her death, a life lived in faith, a lady who showed many of us how to live and how to die. And I have seen this past week sons taking care of aging mothers, and daughters taking care of aging fathers and mothers and parents taking care of their invalid and sick children day after day, hour after hour, with great love and faithfulness and hope. And I have seen that our labors are not in vain. I have heard faith statements from our confirmation class. There are break bread meals that have been delivered this past week. Sack lunches that have been handed out faithfully to those who do not have enough to eat. What you do matters. Do not grow weary in doing good. And just this morning, we have seen with eyes of faith, little Asha go under the waters of baptism. And to be claimed by God's grace, And favor in Jesus Christ before she even knows who God is and I and we have heard our promise to her and to her family this is the stuff of the kingdom this is the stuff of light and Jesus said you are light the light of the world even a cup of cold water extended to one in the name of Jesus Christ is the gospel incarnate, and the world needs to see this, and we need to see it with eyes of faith. I believe the world has grown weary of words, and as I stand here and go on and on, I fantasize about the church declaring a moratorium on sermons. Can I get an amen? (laughs) What if we just gathered and read scripture and sang songs and prayed and then went out into the world as the hands and the feet of Christ? The world would much rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Our lives become sermons. It It was Albert Schweitzer whose life became a beautiful sermon gifted in theology and music. He could have done anything and lived the comfortable life in Europe, but no, he went back to medical school midlife and went to French equatorial Africa. And there he served the medical needs of the poorest of the poor in that part of the world. And it is in Schweitzer's earth shaking book, The Search for the Historical Jesus, where he says this about knowing and following Jesus Christ in our day and in our time. He says, he comes to us as one unknown without a name as of old by the lakeside. He came to those men who knew him not. He speaks to us the same word, follow thou me, and sets us to tasks which he has us to fulfill in our time. And he commands, and to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in the toils the conflicts, the sufferings which they shall pass through in his fellowship. And as an ineffable mystery, they will learn in their own experience. Their own experience. Who he is. It's been a tough week. And it may be a tough week to come, Or that tough week may be the week after or the week after, but we know there will be more difficult times. And so wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, whether you're saying, where are you, God? Is there a God? There is no God. Wherever you find yourself, at the end of this week, let me implore you to come back here And to keep coming back, to be part of the community of faith, for that is where our faith is forged in relationship one with another as we come to know the risen Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us respond to the word and say what it is we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ,
3: let us pray almighty gracious and loving God may we learn to live with courage to take action and to seize the challenge in front of us you call us O God to live with courage for the day ahead and we pray for courage as we stand beside someone facing grief fighting sickness the courage to support spouses and children and siblings and friends. We pray for the courage for those in the mission field, those overseas, as well as those who are serving here in big and small ways. We pray for those seeking courage and acting on courage in Boston and Texas. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may we take action action to make the priorities with time and money that you call us to make to make the right decisions at a crossroads that we face may we take action to pursue your plan for our lives and following the lead of Jesus Christ may we seize the challenge in front of us as he leads us to a new thing to do or to serve as And as he leads, may we follow Jesus if he calls us to let go of a grudge or give up a habit or take the first step away from an addiction. And may we have kindness for each person we meet is facing his or her own battle. Gracious God, we ask these things in the courageous name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, It is good to see you all here today and invite those who are here to participate in the ritual of friendship. If you're a first time guest, please include your address and um, phone number, and then pass it back to its point of origin at the, the middle of the pews, should be the books there. For those who are worshiping at Spring Harbor or in your home, if you're worshiping online and live or later this afternoon, we greet you too as part of our faith family. Many things are going on in the weeks ahead. Uh, May 5th and 19th, we have our prospective members luncheon. Another set of those coming up. The Wednesday night program continues with a study of Mark, with a recreation program for the children. This is the time when our officer nominating committee is meeting, and if you have a nomination, please uh, work on that and pre- present that to the group. It's in the bu- it's in the uh, the bulletin. There are other things happening. I commend them to you. So let us now present to God our tithes, our offerings, our gifts, and our very selves. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are our provider and your grace is sufficient for us. We give back to you a part of what you have given to us. May this in turn provide for others. In your gracious and good name we pray. Amen.
0: Jesus Christ says to you, in this world you will have trouble, but have no fear, I have overcome the world, so go, children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, and have courage. Stand firm in your faith, return to no one, evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, love and honor everyone, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.